0: what's going on guys it's nick here back on the video today we're going over my 15 must draft players this season if you only have time to watch one of my videos all summer make it this one these are my favorite picks to make when you're taking into account not only their upside and their chances of hitting that upside but also their adp which for this video is gonna be a combination of espn sleeper yahoo nfl.com and underdog so sit back hit the like button and let's hop into it so Let's get things started off in the late second round. We're going to go in order of ADP throughout the draft or throughout this video, I guess. And we're going to start off with Tony Pollard. Uh, Pollard has an average ADP of 19th overall, and he is the running back eight in ADP. My rankings have him 17th overall, running back seven. Also, just so we're abundantly clear, uh, half PPR. When I say my rankings for the video, we're using half PPR rankings. Now, for all summer... Um, I've been on Tony Pollard. I love drafting him, one of my highest rostered running backs. But every single day, really, as we get closer to week one, I gain more and more confidence that they are not going to sign another running back and that Tony Pollard is going to be the featured running back of this team. And given comments they have made recently about sticking with what they have right now in the running back room, I really do think there is a very strong chance that the depth chart is Tony Pollard, Malik Davis, and then some combination of Deuce Vaughn, Rico Dowdle, I think how's he pronounced his last name, Uh, and then Ronald Jones. Of course, Ronald Jones getting the two-game suspension start the year. It's not really going to impact things, but I suppose that's a positive for Tony Pollard. But for the most part, it's Tony Pollard and everyone else, with Malik Davis probably being the number two. It doesn't matter, right? Like, Who cares who the backups are? If they are actually going to have Tony Pollard as the lead back of the Dallas Cowboys this season, he's going to crush. In 16 career games with at least 12 carries, he has 1,385 rushing yards, 42 receptions for 388 more receiving yards, 13 touchdowns for 17.3 half PPR points per game. And it is also worth noting that he played less than half the snaps in nine of those 16 games. Tony Pollard will be a top five running back this season if he plays at least 16 games, and he has an exceptional chance of finishing inside the top three if he can stay healthy, which is not something you can say about all these other running backs. Obviously, you need running backs to stay healthy if they're going to finish top three, top five. There are many running backs that even if they stay healthy, you're like, okay, there are still worlds where they do not finish that high. I mean... Tony Pollard is such an incredible pick. So much upside. We haven't even seen his full upside. Again, 16 career games with at least 12 carries. And in those games, he was playing less than half snaps. Many of those games, he was playing like 30, 40% at most of the snaps. If this kid is out there for 60, 70% of the snaps, he's going to crush. And you get to pair him with a top five player because he goes to the end of round two. That's incredible value. And it comes with far less risk than most people assume. My second... Must draft player is Chris Olave a little bit later in the draft ADP 28th overall wide receiver 14 my ranking 20th overall wide receiver 11 and Olave proved as a rookie that he's not going to be an elite wide receiver because he already is one he dominated every single route in the route tree he posted Elite success rates versus man, zone, and press. There just isn't even a weakness in his game right now. He is a true number one wide receiver, and he's also incredible at getting open deep downfield. And that is fantastic news for us. Not only in fantasy because we love that, right? We want that weekly upside. But also since he's moving from Andy Dalton, who's fine but not that great, to Derek Carr, who I'm not going to say is some world beater. He's not amazing, but Carr is coming off a season where he peppered Adams for 180 targets. On 15.2 yards perception. It wasn't 180 targets that were very close in line of scrimmage. He was going deep downfield. Devonta Adams is gonna do the same thing with Olave, gonna get a million targets, they're gonna come downfield, and he's going to be successful on those routes, on those targets. There is really just nothing bad you can say about Olave. And there's no risk that Michael Thomas, uh Shaheed are gonna overtake him as the number one. Those two players will have roles on this offenses and on this offense and they'll be. Important roles, right? They are very important players on this offense. But, you know, had Olave not missed two and a half games with injury last season, he would have won rookie of the year and he'd be going where Garrett Wilson's going in, I mean, at times Garrett Wilson goes in the first round, but in that like early second round, that's where he'd be going, not the mid third round. He is a phenomenal talent. Please draft Olave this season. My third must draft player is Mark Andrews, ADP 29th, tight end two. My ranking twenty fourth tight end two and Mark is a great pick on a zone just like in a vacuum. Awesome pick, gonna have a great year. Uh, But especially when you find yourself in the like early to mid third round and you look around at the running backs and the wide receivers and you see a drop off, right? And you just don't want to be first to take that next tier of running backs and wide receivers. And I know that sounds like a very specific use case. You know, you're like, okay, we're not gonna draft them that much if if that's the case where you're only drafting him then. But to be honest, that happens a lot. Like at wide receiver, there is a drop-off after St. Brown, Olave, Waddle, then another one into like Higgins and Devonta Smith. Like after that range, there's a big gap. And then at running back, you know, there's a drop-off after like Pollard, Henry, and Jacob. So when you find yourself in this range and all those players are gone, and you look at the top skill players, and you're like, okay, well, there's like you know, Metcalf, Debo, and Ridley. There are Stevenson, Brees Hall, and Gibbs. And, you know, it's just sort of tough to look at that and be like, I'm going to be the first person to draft in that range, especially when, you know, everyone I just mentioned before that just went. You're not getting amazing value. So whenever I find myself in that spot, I am always drafting Mark Andrews. Baltimore is going to throw the ball so much more than people think this season. And, Even in like a worst-case scenario last season, because last season was worst-case scenario for Baltimore. Everyone got hurt in offense, including his quarterback, including him, Mark Andrews himself, getting injured. Like even with everything falling apart, them not scoring, not playing fast, not throwing the ball, he still finished fourth overall and third in points per game. He's got an incredibly high floor and a very, very high ceiling. He's the only player, the only tight end really, that can compete with Travis Kelsey at the tight end position you got to be getting Mark Andrews exposure this season. I absolutely love him. Moving a little bit later in the draft. Uh the next two players are both Detroit running backs. ADP wise we've got Gibbs at 37th overall running back 15. I have him 31st overall running back 12 Montgomery 81st overall running back 29. I have him 63rd overall running back 23. And I've been asked recently a lot I think indicating a lot of people are actually doing drafts now uh, about what I think about drafting both of them on the same team I think that's a really important question to go over uh, first off I definitely wouldn't reach to get it done especially when you're double dipping on one team you do kind of remove outs and so you really want to be getting it at value so let's say you draft Gibbs around his ADP that's like the late third early fourth round he's on your team right if you do that I would definitely make sure you're not drafting Montgomery where I have him ranked again. That's pick 63 and half PPR. And I would make sure you get him at his ADP, which is pick 81 or later than that. And the reason is that one of the outs for Montgomery as to why I have him 63rd is removed when you roster Jameer Gibbs, because part of the appeal with Montgomery is that not only will he likely exceed value when gibbs is healthy but his best case scenario is that gibbs got hurt right if gibbs gets hurt montgomery is easily a running back one and he turns into a league winner and while that still remains a possibility if you draft gibbs it's not a possibility you want to happen right so if you remove that then we're eliminating one of these really positive outlooks for montgomery and that's going to lower him in the rankings after you draft Gibbs. So assuming you draft Gibbs, you should bump Montgomery down in the rankings. But let's say you do that, right? You're like, okay, I understand that, but I'm at pick 90, right? He's now nearly around a value. You have Gibbs, but like Montgomery is far and away the top ranked player in the rankings. And running back is also like a good pick for you to make. You know, you're not drafting too many of them. Should you still draft Gibbs? I think at that point, the answer is yes. Uh, Detroit running back scored by far the most fantasy points of every backfield last season. and now leave behind 419 touches, 25 touchdowns, which is more than enough for both to finish as top 20 running backs. And you can also start them knowing you're just locking up all the running back points for Detroit. Last season, Jamal Williams, DeAndre Swift, who are both worse than Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs. Well, they played 14 games together. And if two running backs combine, you just throw them into running back one, running back two. If they combine for 28 points in half PPR scoring, that is equivalent to just starting two low-end running back ones, which you will always take, especially for where you drafted them. Among those 14 games, they hit that mark for low-end running back one production seven times, and they averaged 24.4 points per game combined so if you just threw Williams and Swift into the two running back slots last season then they averaged a little bit worse than low end running back one production each and they produced as two running back ones in 50 percent of the games that they played and again Montgomery is better than Williams Gibbs is better than Swift so yes I'm definitely fine drafting them both understand that upside is eliminated with montgomery making him a worse pick but if you can get him at a really good value it's a backfield i want the fantasy points for and if you're locking them all up that's a pretty good pick to make my sixth must draft player is justin herbert adp 54th overall quarterback 7 my ranking 43rd overall quarterback 6 and i'm just so confident that herbert is going to have A monster season this year. Last year, uh, it was a down year for the Chargers overall, and I think that's a little bit playing in people's minds because that's the last thing they saw with Herbert. But both Allen and Williams missed time last year with injury, and Herbert himself was banged up for a lot of the year. Um, If we get a season where Eckler, Allen, Williams, Johnston, Everett, Herbert are all healthy, Herbert is going to finish Top three in passing yards, and he could legitimately break the single season passing yardage record. I'm not sure if I'm going to make a bowl predictions video, but if I do, that's going to be one of them. I truly believe Justin Herbert has a really good shot of breaking the single season passing yardage record this season. He has 1,132 more passing yards over his first three years of his career than any other quarterback in the history of the NFL, and that's not because he played more games. OK, Andrew Luck was second place. Again, he's got the 1,132 more yards than him. Uh, Peyton Manning was third place. He has 1,800 more yards than him. And it's only on one more game played than both of them. I don't think Peyton Manning was throwing for 1,800 yards in the extra game. And he also has, just to throw on top of that, eight and nine more passing touchdowns than those two had. So we have a quarterback that's entering year four who's been phenomenal in the first three years, now has his best skilled players he's had in his career, and an offensive coordinator now that had the Cowboys ranked top three in place per minute and top 10 in no huddle rate in every year that Kellen Moore was the offensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys. Herbert is an exceptional pick this season, and I think he's going to have a massive bounce back this year. Moving back to wide receiver, how about some Drake London? ADP, 58th, wide receiver 24, my ranking 47th, wide receiver 20. And I know a lot of you just can't get on board with me liking Falcons players this season, but London was significantly better than his stat line indicates last year. And his stat line wasn't even bad, right? 72 for 866 yards, Four touchdowns. I mean, you're getting him at a pretty good ADP discount for a player taking eighth overall, posting those numbers and having great underlying stats. I mean, rookie season, he had the highest yards per route run of any wide receiver over the last two years, posted elite success rates for his man, zone, and press. He ran his five most run routes at a well above average success rate. Like, he was fantastic mariota just wasn't you know and then when they swapped to ritter over the final four weeks uh, london had a season-long pace of 106 receptions over 1400 yards people hate the falcons they just do right but they were 15th in points per game last season despite mariota starting 13 weeks Pitts getting hurt for most of the season london being a rookie Bijan being in college and they've just improved in all those spots over the offseason Brandon Thorne over at ETR, he has them. uh, The offensive line ranked top 10 after that improved at well. It's just all improvements for Atlanta. We've got a phenomenal talent in a great situation. Going to have a huge target share. Phenomenal pick in those like early to middle rounds. Kind of depends on what you call the cutoff for middle there. Moving a little bit later, my eighth must-draft player is Rashad White. ADP 71st, running back 25. My ranking, 64th, running back twenty four. And yes, uh, I know that it can be scary drafting a running back in this kind of dead zone. But honestly, the dead zone isn't even that dead this season for the running back position. We've got some pretty good running backs in like the running back dead zone right now. Uh, White's going to be entering year two as the clear lead back for the Bucks. And honestly, I think I've been a little bit too hard on the Bucs this summer. Like I've been all over Godwin. Godwin just missed the cut for this video, but I still love him. But... I think I've been too hard on everyone else. Like, they honestly have a decent amount of talent on this offense. Like, Godwin and Evans is still an elite duo. They're getting up there. At least Evans getting up there in age. But for this season, like, they're going to be an elite duo. And let's not forget how good we thought Rashad White was going to be last season. Like, we loved him as a prospect. Since we knew he had featured upside, given just how elite he is as a receiver. And that he is built to handle a very heavy early down workload. He can handle being a feature back. But what? Now that he's clearly going to have a chance at being a feature back and only cost us a six-round pick, we're just going to jump ship? Like, that just doesn't feel right. I don't know why I haven't been as in on him this summer. I've drafted him plenty, but he's such a good pick. I needed to have him a little bit higher. Just especially when... You just look at this team and you look at what the Bucks' like, coaching staff has been telling us. They're telling us he's the guy. They're telling us they're going to give him a ton of touches. Why are we not listening to him? And honestly, I've said this a million times this summer, the only running back that we should be worried about, like, it'd be one thing if they were telling us that they were going to feature him. But we look at the running back backfield and we're like, well, there's a lot of packs that could give volume to him. The only back I'm worried about is Sean Tucker. And I am worried a little bit about Sean Tucker. But, like, I'm not scared of Keyshawn Vaughn. Chase Edmonds, of Patrick Laird. Are you kidding me? Like, this is not a good backfield. Rashad White is clearly their best back. It's really only Sean Tucker that's going to be capable of pushing him. And honestly, there's enough to go around. Like, Tucker can push him, can get some snaps this season because Leonard Fournette's leaving behind 262 touches. Like, White's not going to have 441 touches. There is plenty remaining with Fournette leaving for Tucker to still be used and for White to shatter his 6th round ADP. And then what if Tucker, who is still an undrafted rookie, well, what if he just doesn't work out? Well, now White is clearly a league winner. Because, I mean, let's just be honest, that running back core is not pushing Rashad White for touches. He can produce on this team. My ninth must-draft player is JSN, Jackson Smith, and Jigba, ADP, 90th overall wide receiver 35, my ranking 68th overall, wide receiver 31. And I feel like I haven't talked about JSN a lot. I talked about him a lot to open the offseason, but we've kind of been in a lull where I haven't talked about him a ton. But I think that's more because he's like an appropriate value on underdog. And I just kind of figured he was on other sites too. But he goes 93rd on ESPN, 101st on Yahoo, 114th on NFL.com. And that's just silly. Like, he is the best wide receiver in this draft class. He's never going to face double teams with Metcalf and Lockett there. And he's on a very high-scoring offense that even last season was much more pass-heavy than a lot of people assume this is going to be a highly efficient offense, one that I think could make that leap into the top seven in scoring this season after finishing 10th last year. And even though camps just opened up, the reports have been overwhelmingly positive about jsn uh, they're already saying he can push for snaps and two wide receiver sets obviously he's playing in three wide receiver sets which they will run a lot more this season he's just a breakout waiting to happen and if you can somehow get him past pick 100 just say thank you continue dominating your draft because i simply don't see a world where he busts especially this late like how many picks Close to pick 100, or past pick 100, can you actually say you don't see a world where they bust? Almost never happens, but it's true with JSN. My 10th must-draft player is James Cook. ADP, 88th overall, running back 31. My ranking, 76th overall, running back 27. And... This is one that I've definitely moved up a lot more recently just as he, you know, gains a lot of steam in camp as they're talking about him in camp. And it's just becoming so clear that they want to use him as their lead back. And the scary part about Cook is that I actually have to like under project him a little bit because I don't want to ever really project someone, you know, 30, 40 spots of ADP because I know everyone's going to just take them too early. I know I talked about the ADP game. You want to have people around their ADP. The best teams are the ones who are able to do that effectively, to draft a ton of highly ranked players because you're not reaching 15, 20 spots ahead of ADP. You're drafting everyone at ADP, but they're worth a lot more. And so I try to not rank players, you know, 30, 40 spots above their ADP. I'm going to keep James Cook about a round ahead but I could very easily move him higher. I mean, the current rankings where he's about around a value is assuming a 33% share of the team's carries. That feels very conservative. A 20% share of the rushing touchdowns, again, very conservative. And a 9% target share. That's it. And he still grades out all round ahead of ADP. And if you look at reports out of camp, they are telling us he's going to get most of the carries. You know, you can't really find a ton that's hyping up Damian Harris or Latavius Murray. And so... Worst case really feels like he's going to be in a split here and outperform his ADP. Again, worst case. Best case is that they use him as they're telling us they're going to use him, and he shatters his ADP. And just to throw a cherry on top, my machine learning model that uses rookie year production along with college data to predict breakouts, it has James Cook and Rashawn White as two clear breakout running backs. This season, And if you want to see the rest of its predictions, along with its picks at wide receivers, which is even more accurate than running back model, you can see it all on the website, thefinancefootballadvice.com. But again, Rashad White, James Cook, two clear running backs, the models picking and being like, please look at these two players. They're definitely breaking out. My 11th must draft player is Quentin Johnston, ADP. 113th wide receiver, 46. My ranking, 83rd wide receiver, 40. And to be honest, I'm picking Johnston for many of the same reasons I'm picking Herbert. Right? If I think Herbert is having a league winning season, then it makes sense that Johnston, his highly athletic first round wide receiver, might be a good pick in the 10th round of the draft. And actually, I mean, if you look at ADPs on a few of these sites, it's a complete joke. Like on ESPN, Yahoo, NFL, he's going in like the 11th, even the 12th round on a few of those. Crazy. Absolutely crazy value. Johnston is a yak monster, which is a huge need that the Chargers needed to fill this offseason. Like Mike Williams is an elite downfield threat and a great wide receiver. Keenan Allen, obviously a technician over the middle of the field, also a great wide receiver. But they needed someone who could create after the catch and Boy, can Quentin Johnston do that. He has burst for days. He is a truly elite playmaker. And there's just no way defenses are going to come into the week being like, well, time to stop Quentin Johnston, right? They have to focus on Eckler. They have to focus on Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. They have to focus on these players because they're proven that they will destroy you if you don't. And that's going to leave Quentin Johnson a lot of single coverage. And if you give him single coverage, he is one move away from taking all the way to the house. Now, he is a rookie. And so, like, maybe it takes him a few weeks to really get going. We usually see rookies break out in the second half of the season. But that's not a problem. Pass pick 100, right? You're not drafting him to be a starter in week one, two, three. You're drafting him for that second half. Because if he breaks out and if they have a single injury on offense, oh, my goodness. The upside he has is insane. My 12th pick is going to be... Sky Moore, ADP 133, wide receiver 52, my ranking 98th, wide receiver 46. Now, Moore is definitely gaining steam on underdog, and so it's possible that over the next few weeks, that kind of bleeds into these other platforms, but especially for those of you drafting right now on ESPN, Yahoo, NFL Sleeper, his average ADP on those sites is 143rd, which is the late 12th round. So you're getting a wide receiver on a Patrick Mahomes-led offense who is probably going to be their number one. He's like the current favorite for that role, having a fantastic camp. We've got Tony getting hurt 10 minutes into their first practice. It's becoming clear maybe he just can't stay healthy, but the very least, he needed camp. Tony needed camp to develop his route running to command targets this season. I don't think he's going to do that. He's going to be a gadget player this season. It's the late 12th round. How can that be? How can the lead receiver for a Patrick Mahomes offense be available in the late 12th round, even if it doesn't work out? Listen, most picks this late don't work out. And so would you rather pick some random wide receiver on a mediocre team or the guy that's the lead right now for the number one spot on Kansas City? And honestly, maybe you don't think it's Sky Morgan. I think it is. Um, Spoiler alert for those of you who went to the website and wanted to see who the wide receiver model is predicting for breakouts. Sky Moore is one of them. It thinks he's going to have a breakout season. It doesn't even know that Patrick Mahomes is quarterback. It just thinks talent-wise he's going to break out given what we saw in year one and in college. But let's say you disagree. Maybe you think it's Rasheed Rice. Well, Rasheed Rice is also free in draft. So if you think he breaks out, he's a good pick. Uh, Richie James, maybe you think that he's going to earn some more snaps. Uh, he's going to break out. Maybe Justin Ross, an you know, elite sleeper pick. But I would just say when talking about those players... This is a redraft video, right? Like I'm talking about upside in redraft leagues, and like on underdog, all those picks make sense because like if you draft Justin Ross in round 18, you know Richie James in round 17, they only need to provide a little bit more value in what you're getting. You're just trying to like you know exceed value in all your picks. So if they provide like 12th round value, that's great, right? Not really for a redraft league. For a redraft league, you like you do need someone who's gonna actually be a starter in your starting lineup. And I think among all of their wide receivers, Skymore has by far the best chance of doing that because he really was better as a rookie than the numbers suggest. His overall numbers, like they were moving around the formation, he was playing X receiver in the slot, he was playing. All the different wide receiver positions. Um, he was actually being successful against press cover, so he can line up as an X receiver on the line. beat press coverage he was better than people think against man coverage against zone coverage like he was a good wide receiver he just didn't get a ton of opportunity because they had uh, at least for the first half of the season they had michael hartman they had juju but like those two are leaving behind 135 targets and with him also passing justin watson on the depth chart this summer there are plenty of targets for more to break out if more sees 100 to 110 targets he's gonna have a breakout year he's gonna be decent in fantasy and he's got the upside to push or maybe 120 targets and just really have a very good season, I'm all on him this year, I think he's going to be awesome. 13th on my list is Elijah Moore, ADP 135, wide receiver 54, my ranking 85th, wide receiver 41, and as many of you know, if you follow my channel for more than like just this season, I'm an Elijah Moore truther, I think he is an incredible wide receiver, and With someone that was just put into an awful situation on the Jets. That all changes this season, though. He is finally getting competent quarterback play. He's finally going to be on a high-end offense. Also, Elijah Moore is still extremely young. The following wide receivers are either the same age or older than Elijah Moore. Jaden Reed, Rasheed Rice, Cedric Tillman, Romeo Dobbs, Traylon Burks, Jahan Dotson, justin ross and christian watson all again either the same age or are older than elijah moore so let's maybe not write him off because he wasn't able to produce these last two seasons when you know he's the same age or younger than that entire group of very very young players catching passes from zach wilson mike white and joe flacco especially when the underlying metrics have been fantastic He's been getting open. He beats man coverage. He's great at running routes. He gets open. They've just never had a quarterback that's capable of throwing him the football at an extremely accurate rate. But he does now, and I am fully expecting a breakout for him on the Browns this season. Fourteenth player on my list is, of course, Tank Bigsby. I've been talking about him all offseason, still all in. On him, ADP, 186th, running back 51, my ranking, 128th, running back 42. And this one's just easy. Like, that ADP is crazy when you consider that he's the clear backup on a very elite offense. And if Etienne goes down, he's going to be a featured running back. Plus, they've been praising him as a pass catcher in camp. They've been praising his red zone running abilities in camp two areas that if you look at where Etienne needs to improve that's where Etienne could be better as a red zone running back etn could be better in the receiving game if those are the two areas that tank bigsby is excelling at maybe he is going to see the field a little bit more than people anticipate even early on so given that that's a possibility not that you're starting him right you're never going to start in week one week two going as pick 186 you're not planning on doing that right he is purely an upside piece but the idea that he could be seeing the field right from week one is awesome and then understand that like when you're this late in the draft you don't really care about trying to like barely exceed value at the adp like we don't want someone who's going to return a little bit better on average we want someone that like if the starter goes down what is their upside? Will it just be a rotation? Will they bring someone else in? I don't think either of those things are true for the Jaguars. I think if ETN went down, we will have Tank Bigsby as the goal line back, the early down back, and the third down back. He will be a featured running back. That is upside you want to have on your bench because even if it doesn't happen, you're just giving yourself a chance. You need to be rostering players that Provide some level of upside, because if you're not, then you just don't even have that chance of really having breakout players on your bench. And especially if you can do them on offenses you think the public is underrating, which I think the public is underrating the Jaguars this season, it is even better. Then finally, 15th must draft player is Marvin Mims, ADP 218 wide receiver 75 my ranking 144 wide receiver 64 we knew that we would be ending with mims in a must draft video and if he was by far my most rostered player before the tim patrick injury you better believe he's still going to be after that injury Uh, i do think that judy and sutton are locked in to being the top two wide receivers to start the year, especially now with the injury. There was a chance before that maybe they traded away Cortland Sutton. But when I talked about it in that video, I was like, listen, they probably won't do this because they're looking at the situation, being like, we can't stay healthy. They've just not been able to have a healthy wide receiver core over the last few years. So maybe they wanted to start with four wide receivers. Instantly, we see Tim Patrick go down again. Well, now they're definitely not trading away Cortland Sutton because they need wide receivers. Um They've also been very desperate uh for a deep threat these last few years. Like it's not that Sutton and Judy can't get deep, it's just that's not exactly like their strength, right? They've wanted someone whose strength is being a deep threat. And that's exactly what Mims is. He is a phenomenal field stretcher. And again, with the Tim Patrick injury, I think that now opens up like even very early in the season the possibility that he has a much larger role in the passing game just on average. Someone that they are relying on consistently to have a consistent target share, and that's amazing in fantasy, right? He has the upside to have a 12 13% target share, and many of those targets will be coming deep downfield. So not someone that you're drafting to start in weeks one, two, and three. And for many of you, you don't even need to go this far, right? This last one... Again, ADP past pick 200, many of you are in leagues where like you don't even get to pick 200. And if I have him at 144, you just might even not even have an opportunity to draft him. If you're in like a 10-team league with maybe five or six bench spots, you just might not even hit this opportunity. But for those of you in 12, especially 14, 16-team leagues, for those of you with seven, eight, nine players on your bench where you're really just trying to get any sort of value later on, he is a phenomenal pick. In the later rounds, because we love that deep upside. It opens up the upside for a high weekly ceiling, and that's what MIMS has. So, that was a very long one, but a very important video. Uh, We walked through basically an entire draft worth of elite picks. So, I think this is a super helpful video to refer back to, especially right before your draft. And if you want even more help than this video provided, uh, you can actually get. All of my draft rankings for every scoring format and even my custom rankings, which you can use while drafting all for free. All you have to do is sign up for your first underdog account today using promo code FFA and make a minimum $10 deposit. That's it. Then you'll get your login information emailed to you the next morning and you'll have access to all of my draft rankings, which are top three in industry accuracy over the last three years, all for free. So that'll do it for this one. Hope you all did enjoy. If you did, how about hitting the like button? And how about subscribing to the channel if you're new here? Thanks for watching.